Welcome to the 12th episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners. This podcast is a production of Startup Space, an entrepreneurship community building platform. I'm your host, David Panraj. In this podcast, we will speak with some of the leading voices in the field of inclusive entrepreneurship and learn from their best practices to apply in our own communities as practitioners. Today, we'll be speaking with Courtney Zog. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you. Happy to join you. Uh, Courtney, so tell us a little bit about your work and how you got started. So my practice is called Plaka and Associates, and we work with um, communities, community leaders, universities, entrepreneurs, and even developers to help design ecosystem strategies, strategies focused on you know, encouraging entrepreneurship and innovation, encouraging talent development and in, in industry. And my, my single practice, I started a little less than two years ago, but I've, I've been consulting now for almost seven years. I, I spun out of other, another a former uh, consulting firm after walking through the process of uh, my husband starting his business. So we own a small remodeling company here in Indianapolis, and he is a Marine Corps veteran. And so when he decided that he wanted to start his own company um, and and seeing the process of him doing that and walking through that and seeing the barriers, frankly, to entry in my own community, it even further wanted me to, you know, push me to, to want to go off on my own and um, help other communities, not only my own, but help other communities um, and the stakeholders in, in, involved in, in those ecosystems reduce those barriers to entry. It was, I think, such an interesting perspective for me and a very valuable one. I think I, I you know, having having the experience with the remodeling company, I feel like I have skin in the game, you know, to say, you know, we walk through this and we've done these things and we've experienced how difficult it can be to make the connections and to gain access to resources and knowledge and people and, and, and you know, contracts. Um, and it really, it's just, it's, it's spurred, you know, the desire to, to move entrepreneurship to the forefront of economic development you know, for so long. And still, there are a lot of communities that are doing this, but they always say that entrepreneurship is kind of the third leg to their economic development stool, um, in addition to business attraction and, and retention. But in reality, um, it's the most overlooked piece of the puzzle, I think it's one of the most important pieces of the puzzle that that needs to, to be prioritized. And so um, I've been doing this on my own now with my own firm for two years. Tell us a little bit more about your firm, uh, especially around economic development. Um, what cities do you operate in? And also uh, when you talked about entrepreneurship being the third leg, uh, what is your involvement with uh, entrepreneurship for economic development? Sure. So I am, I am based here in Indianapolis. However, I do work across the country. Um, I have worked in Arkansas and Nebraska, Kentucky, New York, Michigan. Um, currently, I have a few projects in Idaho, um, which is a new, new landscape, a new territory for me and, and an interesting one. But in particular, I think um, for my practice, I my focus are, are these distressed communities, but distressed means anything from, you know, being very rural and having the challenges of, of 
um, lack of access because of the reality of the community, but also in distressed neighborhoods and inner cities, which is frankly where we live um, in Indianapolis, um, which also, interestingly enough, most of those distressed communities in, in the urban areas also don't ha have barriers to access as well. In terms of how I focus on entrepreneurship in, in the communities that I work with, it can be a variety of ways. So it could be based on data, um, any type of data analysis on entrepreneurs or um, industries or workforce. It could be ecosystem mapping. Um, but lately, uh, much of my work has been on feasibility studies for entrepreneurial hubs, innovation hubs. Um, I know that as many people know, there's been a kind of a renewed focus on um, at the federal level for establishing uh, networks and hubs for entrepreneurship and innovation. And from a regional perspective, most of the communities that I'm working with regionally um, in Idaho and in Indiana are looking at ways to establish those hubs, but doing it in a way that's sustainable, um, but isn't a one size fits all. You know, every, one co-working space does not make an innovation hub. Um, but what does it look like and how can it be designed um, and led in a way that makes the most sense and is the most beneficial for that specific community? So what got you involved into economic development and helping with uh, entrepreneurship? Yes, good question. Uh, I did not, uh, I guess technically I did go to school and have my master's in economic development, but it was for from an international perspective. I my original plan was to work in developing countries, helping draft economic policies um, uh, outside of the U.S. And I ended up coming back home after grad school and starting to, to work for the state of Indiana uh, uh, with, with, the, with the focus of attracting foreign direct investment. And again, you know, understanding the landscape of, you know, these big companies, um, how important they are to both the economy in Indiana, um, to you know the connections with the industry and also workforce. But there's just this broad spectrum of companies, small companies, small businesses, entrepreneurs that was just often overlooked. Yet when you're looking at you know when I'm reading the information, I'm reading reports and I'm looking at data, uh, those small businesses and entrepreneurs are really the backbone of the economy. And, and Indiana has been born from that. I mean, just the legacy of manufacturers um, in Indiana and certainly across across the Midwest and even on the, uh, on the East Coast, there's, there's long legacies of that. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, it wasn't really until my, my husband started the business for his business four years ago that it, it, it sparked a light bulb. You know, often in, in broader economic development work that I've done, whether strategic plans or visioning, and entrepreneurship was always looked at as like this second piece, this third piece, but it wasn't, it wasn't a leader in the conversation um, because business attraction um, was shiny and new. And it, it's what, and still does, I think wins, wins elections. Um, and instead turning that conversation on its head with community leaders, and, and there are several that are are changing their approach. Um, that's the focus of my work now is, is to, you know, to say all of these pieces are important, 
But really, if you want a sustainable and um, diverse economy, which can absorb shocks when the market changes, you need to focus on entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship across the wide spectrum, not, you know, not just um, not just tech. So not just looking at trying to you know, replicate a Silicon Valley, but what about the makers in your community? What about the artisans in your community? What about the ones that are, that are doing these things on the side that you actually have no idea that they're actually making a living and are on the cusp of turning that into a, a well-paid full-time job if they could just you know, get a little bit of help, but get a little access to contracts or technology or mentors or whatever that might look like. Let's uh, go a little bit deeper into this. Uh, this is actually a very fascinating topic because we work with economic development organizations on one hand, and on the other hand, we work with a lot of uh, ecosystem builders. And ecosystem builders sometimes have to explain to economic developers why they need to invest in entrepreneurship, right? <laughs> and you just started talking about it. So I'd love to kind of go a little bit deeper. Is there a way for ecosystem builders to easily talk about ROI to economic developers. Of course, the, the, the macro level, everybody gets that corporations uh, create net zero jobs and most of the jobs come from the small business community, but is there a better way to describe ROI to economic developers? That's a really great question. So in my experience, um, for example, working here in, in, in with communities in central Indiana, often the the way that it has been demonstrated and for the light bulb to go off um, show, showcasing the importance is, you know, e either an actual ROI. So bringing in an analyst to look at the return on investment for whatever dollars are put in for entrepreneurship led activities, but also economic impact. Um, often the economic impact analyses that our firm has provided uh, showcases it's, it's objective, right? So you have the data, you have, you know, here's what's going to create, here's what's going to cost, here's the ripple effect. And that simple picture um, helps tell the story to council leaders, you know, that are approving whatever, you know, incentive packages or whatever dollars are going to be allocated to say, okay, yes, this is going to cost some upfront. And I know that this is a long-term game, but I know what it's gonna, what what the community is gonna uh, encounter and, and and encourage and develop over the next ten to twenty years. So specifically, data has has helped uh, showcase that. In addition, um, the storytelling of the entrepreneurs too. You know, I which I know this is a part of the conversation today of the storytelling, but I think that the stories of entrepreneurs that have been successful can be showcased if when, you know, for example, I'm, I'm on the board of a level two um, entrepreneurial facility here in central Indiana. And there are some really great success stories of folks doing it on their own and huddling together. I mean, there was the group of, of engineers and some construction leaders uh, in Plainfield, uh, Plainfield, Indiana, just, just west of um, the airport who got together and, rented space collectively for a few years, worked with one another, bounced ideas off of one another, um, brought in, you know, mentors. If there was a, a person, you know, someone connected to say, hey, I think they, 
I think they might be able to provide some guidance on X, Y, and Z. They had their own little ecosystem of, you know, four or five business leaders that then grew and they stayed, they stayed in the community and they're giving back. So those, those stories that are, that can be told to policymakers, I think make a lasting impact because the stories that we're hearing and we're reading, and certainly there's with social media, there's just an influx of information, but the stories do tie to the reality of investment and, and choosing to invest in entrepreneurship instead of just putting all of your eggs in the basket for business attraction. Business attraction isn't bad, um, but I think having a diverse um, and a balanced way to to ensure prosperity of your community, it starts with entrepreneurship and investing there. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what we're all uh, seeing in the news today and experiencing in our communities, which is COVID-19. Has that affected your business and the business that your communities are involved in? Do you know any uh, of your colleagues or even the cities that are being impacted by COVID-19? And what are some pivots that you've seen come out of COVID-19? Yeah, also a really good question. So our business specifically with, with PLACA, um, the influx of questions and strategy sessions regarding what do we do now? Um, though Those communities that haven't had a, a strong plan in place for their small businesses um, certainly suffered. It, it suffered in, from the sense of um, they had to create some roadmaps and they had to create some infrastructure to help these small businesses from scratch. So that was good. So it was a good, you know, um, it was a good wake up call to some of those communities. I think the ones that fared well were already had had these had the infrastructure in place. They had the relationships with their entrepreneurs and small businesses so they could easily take whatever existing pots of money um, was it, were available and distribute it quickly. Um, I think that, or is another example would be, you know, if for communities and Fishers is a good example. Fishers was already putting together and had a had a remote work marketing program uh, set up. You know, they were working to already try to attract remote workers to Fishers, Indiana, because they already had that in place. Um, I think that the spotlight on their opportunities were highlighted versus other communities that, again, didn't yet have that approach um, for attracting um, freelancers or entrepreneurs and small businesses. You know, they're a little bit behind behind the game. The other thing that I've seen that has been really interesting is um, communities, Hendricks County, which is where Plainfield does, but Hendricks County Economic Development Partnership, uh, had been uh, toying with the idea already of putting together this group of consultants or mentors to help their existing small businesses um, have access to, to, to kind of uh, increase the technology access for, for small businesses. So for example, you know, if there was a retailer that um, a clothing designer in Hendricks County and they had you know, a decent sized um, uh, profitable business where they sold things online, but they were looking to take it to the next level. They wanted to get into different markets. Maybe they wanted to eventually have a storefront, but they needed to they, they needed additional sales and contracts. So their their thoughts, Hendricks County's 
thoughts were to put together this list of consultants that was seeded from some grant dollars. Um, and with this application process, the, you know, let's, for example, this retailer could apply and say, you know, I really want to know, know um, what my market wants more. Do they want you know, X more? Do they want Y more? And with that, you know, creating maybe a, a different type of online presence or creating an app or creating um, a profile where people could have review their, their, their materials and provide feedback so that they can better do quality control. I think those conversations are a great way to pivot where um, COVID has impacted things and where everything obviously, you know, everything's going online. Everything had already been going in that direction. But again, I think communities that had had the forethought and were already heading in the direction of increasing um, support in many ways, let's say for this for this example, it's, you know, capital and it's tech. Um, they're the ones that are succeeding. It's, it's the communities that, um, the communities that had, dare I say, neglected some of the small businesses for lots of reasons. A lot of it, I think, is capacity. Some of it's funding. Some, most of it's leadership. Um, but it's those communities that that neglected the small businesses that are, I think those communities are, are really struggling and will continue to um, until things until COVID changes. So there's another thing that. Uh another topic, if you will, that I want to ask you about, which also can adversely impact economic activity and growth, that is uh, inclusion and diversity. So can we talk a little bit about what you see in the Midwest with how communities are intentionally inclusive and where you see gaps and areas for improvement? Yes, and I, I actually will, I want to speak specifically to Indianapolis because I've been really proud of, of the things that they've been doing recently. Um, I think first defining inclusivity and diversity is is probably important. I, you know, most most definitions will focus on gender or race or um, sexual orientation or gender identity, which which is all true. But I think that there often is a gap in talking about inclusive entrepreneurship as it relates to the types of goods and services offered. So in Indiana, tech and especially software technology is the golden child of entrepreneurship and innovation. I think I think I could probably generalize and say in, in general, I think that's you know the cloud that um, the common public has regarding you know what is entrepreneurship. But I think that focus often neglects the heart of what creates jobs and the heart of of work that alleviates poverty. Um, and the things that create a sense of community, you know, sense of place in communities, and that's that's your artisans, that's your makers, that's your builders, and your typical Main Street business owners. And so, along the spectrum, you have, and and this is true, I think, for Indiana too. Um, you know, you have focus, you you have your 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 great um, entrepreneurship su support organizations organizations and business support organizations. And then you have, you know, tech leaders that are using their funds that they've, you know, they've had tremendous great exits and they're using those funds to reinvest. They're reinvesting in tech. They're reinvesting in the bubble and in the, the network that they already know. But there is a large spectrum of <laughs> entrepreneurs that 
don't get that attention. And that's where the, the focus on inclusivity um, and diversity and equity needs to happen. Indianapolis has taken tremendous steps to change that conversation. So there, there is a, a, a very interesting innovation district called 16 Tech here in central Indiana, in Indianapolis. And as a part of that innovation district, they have created a community investment fund. And the investment fund is specific to the distressed neighborhoods that surround it. So they, you know, this fund will help fund priorities regarding workforce training, um, business support, education, particularly for STEAM, um, with it being an innovation district. They fund infrastructure beautification projects, and they 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 also fund um, capacity building for aspiring entrepreneurs and existing entrepreneurs in those distressed communities. I think without having that vision, that you know. Standing by itself in a silo, 16 Tech will and could be extremely successful. But instead, the leaders took a step back and said, this needs to be different. We need to make sure that we are doing things the right way and that we are including and not, you know, building up the neighborhoods and the community around us and not just us. So in addition to that, they also have... Um, they recently uh, included a partnership with Lightship Capital. So Lightship Capital, I think they're based uh, originally in Ohio, but their venture capital fund um, focused specifically in the Midwest. But they all, all of the founders that they serve are people of color. They're women. They are members of the LGBTQ community. They they work with people with disabilities, and generally, you know, focusing venture capital and targeting folks that have been overlooked um, and underfunded by traditional VC firms. That is a complete step in a different direction than what has occurred in central Indiana. And it comes down to leadership. So in different ways, you know, Indianapolis, they're taking the, the reins and saying, okay, we finally are paying attention and we're hearing you. And we're going to put our money where our mouth is. These are the things that we're doing. So I think there's a lot more work to be done. Um, but the fact that conversations are occurring, tangible steps are occurring. Um, there's even in Indianapolis, there's a current uh, assessment for um, minority women businesses. And I'm a part of the advisory council. And the conversation with the entrepreneurs like myself, but also leaders in the community from all different levels is this is tremendous. I mean, it goes back to, you know, the biggest, you know, the, the biggest challenges with, with these types of underserved communities, um, it's access. And so having access and opening, opening the doors and, you know, preserving seats at the table for not only again, tech, but also artisans. And not only, you know, the the very successful exits, um, or excuse me, the very, you know, very successful businesses, but also the, you know, mom and pop coffee shops. That is what will make, that is what will make a community and an economy sustainable and prosperous and diverse. That's fascinating. I did not know that about Indiana. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, I definitely plan on going and checking out some of the work that's happening there. Uh, let's uh, 
close by uh, one final question, which is uh, what are some best practices or lessons learned uh, working with economic development organizations that you've seen in your career that you would share with our uh, practitioners who are ecosystem builders? I think the best the best success that I've seen communities um, based on strategies and ecosystem building has been, you know, you are what you measure. And if if the policymakers are measuring themselves by the square footage of a manufacturing facility and the number of jobs, I think we're doing it wrong. If you're measuring if you're measuring yourself in your community by um, entrepreneurial activity and the the wages and the ripple effect, um, the connectivity to supply chains, um, the connectivity to your anchor institutions and how um, contracts are being um, allocated to to be inclusive and and diversify um, the, those opportunities. I, I think that that has, in my experience, that has been the most successful. Um, the challenge is it's hard, it's hard work and it's hard work to have uh, not only policymakers, but community leaders overall in the, in the general community understand what entrepreneurship really means and what innovation really means, what inclusivity really means. There's, there's just a lot of misconceptions or frankly, even like, what does tech really mean? There's just a lot of misconceptions about what is entrepreneurship. Um, and so once there is some consensus building and, and um, education, everyone's on the same page. That's where, that's where the conversation and, and the, the action shifts um, towards focusing on entrepreneurship. But you know, how how you're measuring your economic development output um, and your activities is critical because if you're measuring if, if you're measuring it by tradition the traditional standards, you know, it's not going to change. But those communities that have shifted, um, they'll be the ones winning the game. How can people follow your work, Courtney, and uh, be able to connect with you? Yes, you, my website's plakaassociates.com, but you can also follow me, which is just czog, C-Z-A-U-G-G on Twitter. Um, and also Plaka Associates is on Instagram. So you can see the communities that I'm working in um, and the projects that are uh, both on the strategy side, but also projects that are coming to fruition, such as these entrepreneurial facilities. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Uh, it's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, this is uh, an intersection that a lot of our practitioners have asked us information on, which is economic development and entrepreneurship. And I think, like you said, things will continue to uh, start moving in the direction of uh, supporting entrepreneurship better in a lot of communities. I think economic developers are starting to realize that there needs to be a better uh, focus on entrepreneurship and inclusivity uh, in communities across the U.S. and that might be the catalyst for the recovery from COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I agree. So, yeah. So thank you so much for coming on the show, and we look forward to having you back soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners 
hosted by David Ponraj. Special thanks to Courtney Zog for joining us. Cover art by show manager and creative director Mackenzie Dial Fritcher. Edited and produced by Lauren Bernard. If you'd like to suggest interviewees, new topics, or just want to reach out, please email us at podcast at startupspace.app. All Breaking Down Barriers episodes are available on our website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe for all the latest updates.